This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I was just joking with Brother Kevin Brown a few minutes back that uh, my class, you know, we're, we're talking here about PTSD, right? Well, I also have a problem with ADD, and so... Uh, I'm hoping that I can not hear, once I get going, I, I won't hear Matt Brown talking, and I won't be distracted. But, uh, you know, actually, that's a good tease for next week, because I hope you'll come back next week. We're going to be talking, very interesting, is post-traumatic stress disorder, should we consider it a disorder? In other words, should there be a D at the end of PTSD? In my mind, a very interesting question, and we're going to look at that next week. And uh, so I mentioned ADD. We could kind of ask the same thing there. We're not going to, we're just going to focus on PTSD next week, but uh, uh, we could ask the same thing with uh, ADD or ADHD, as it's called. And I was, by the way, diagnosed with ADHD when I was, my mom took me to a, I should save this story for next week because it'll, it'll fit with, uh, It'll fit with what I'm going to be talking about. So I will. So you have to come back. But uh, do I think I have ADD? No, I don't. But we'll talk about that next week. Although Cindy does say I'm, I'm pretty weird. But uh, that doesn't mean I've got ADD. Okay. All right. So everybody has the handout? Yes. Okay, very good. Was anybody not here last week? Mrs. Canfield, Brother Everett, okay. Well, uh, we'll have to get you the blanks that you missed. We only made it to page through the end of page three. We're going to briefly review. Um, we're kind of setting the stage here. These first few lessons were, and specifically, you can see from your handout, we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, the basics, okay, just the basics. The, and we're asking, we're, we're kind of organizing the lesson, who, what, where, when, and why, although we're not taking them in quite that order, but those five journalistic or information-gathering questions that you guys probably taught to write essays that way, maybe when you were in high school. But anyway, that's kind of how we structured things. Um, next week, that's all right. That's okay. Um, that's okay. You're, you're testing me in my ADD. You're trying, I'm trying to get distractions on all sides. <laughs> um, where was I? Man, Mrs. Canfield really threw me off here. We're just getting started. Anyway, um, oh, so these first few lessons, kind of the basics, trying to get an, uh, an understanding. And it is, it's very interesting. Uh, and it's hard to fit it all in. So we, we, the first lesson is turning into two lessons, and we're going to continue next week and maybe a fourth week looking at just some introductory-type questions before we really get into the Scriptures and really uh, look at a biblical solution to post-traumatic stress. And uh, that's going to be very encouraging. This first part of the class, I think, is, is interesting as we're asking a lot of questions this is a very complex issue. There is very little, uh, very little agreement okay, among secular practitioners, secular psychologists, psych psychiatrists, uh, very little agreement uh, among them. And even when you get to uh, Christian counselors, biblical counselors, of course, when biblical counselors, there's clear agreement as to the ultimate solution. But... Uh, my point is some of, these, uh, some of these questions that we're going to be looking at today and next week, they are kind of tough because we are uh, embodied souls. Uh, we, are, we have a soul or a soul and a spirit, depending on if you're a dichotomist or trichotomist, and we're not going to get into that here. But we also have a body. And uh, the interaction and the interplay between mind and body, it, it's very complex. We're going to touch on some of that tonight and next week. But uh, again, very interesting questions. And uh, we're not going to have all the answers until we get to, when we get to what the Bible says, we, we will have the answers. But some of the 
physiological stuff that we're going to touch on tonight and next week. Uh, again, it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's interesting. And I hope that uh, you'll ask questions. Please interrupt me and just, just jump right in and ask questions or make comments. But just by way of review, by way of review to catch, uh, we had a couple folks that weren't with us last week. Um, we asked who, okay, page one, who suffers from PTSD? And we made the comment last week that anyone, okay, anyone can struggle with post-traumatic stress. Okay, this is not just something that combat veterans or police officers uh, struggle with. Anybody, you know, the housewife who's got uh, an abusive husband, even just an angry husband, um, anyone can struggle with post-traumatic stress. And then I made the contention, if you look down at your second bullet, and I, here's where I'm going to comment, uh, and I've got something on the whiteboard to kind of help make my point here. And again, this is just kind of review. Uh, take a look at that second bullet, first sentence there. I would strongly contend that nearly all human beings at some point in their lives have struggled with some form of post-traumatic stress. Let me comment on that because there may be, maybe that struck a few of you as kind of a, uh, an interesting comment or maybe some uh, maybe a comment that you would object to or you at least you'd be surprised by it uh, what I mean by that is some some of you may have been thinking or, or you're thinking now um, really uh, are you telling me that uh, I've struggled with something I've never been to combat you know I've never been a police officer or a firefighter and been in one of those you know life-altering, you know, deadly uh, circumstances. I've never seen, I've never held a loved one who's been uh, badly injured. I've never watched them die in my, how can you tell me that I can relate to what those kind of folks are going through? Here's what I, today, I'm tempted to ask if, if that question crossed anyone's mind when I made that comment, or did you all agree with me and understand what I was driving at. And, and the point I was making, and, and we referenced 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, there hath no temptation taken any of us except as is common to man. You know, our problems, uh, life's problems, they are very common. Um, and I made the point that post-traumatic stress, and this is in the notes there at the bottom of that little second paragraph, this is not some bizarre or mysterious phenomenon that we cannot relate to or begin to understand, we can relate. Now, some of you, you've never been in combat or you've never been a police officer or a firefighter. You've never been sexually assaulted. Um, but you can still relate. We've all experienced, in one sense, and maybe just time out, practical tip. You know, I was told in all my biblical counseling classes, you do want to, we, we want to be able to relate to our counselees, the person you're discipling, whatever. But it's, it's not good practice to say necessarily, hey, I can, I can relate. I understand exactly what you're saying. No, we can't. You know, I, I haven't been in that person's shoes. I'm not that person. I'm not processing the event as they have processed it. So... We don't want to come across as maybe making light of their trauma or their experience by saying, hey, I understand everything that you're going through. But, but my point tonight is that in one sense, uh, man's problems, life's problems, again, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, they're common to man. And we can relate uh, to a large degree. And we gave some examples of that last week. And I'm going to cover something on the board here, but first, A-Rock. The way that we can relate is, uh, is by saying that I know what pain feels like, or I know what loss feels like, or I know what fear feels like. You relate yeah. with the emotion. Yeah. And it's the severity of the emotion is what causes the separation between individuals. Yeah. Yeah. No, very good. Very good. Good, good comment. Thank you. Yeah, and you mentioned the severity may be different. And that's, uh, can everybody see this? 
So we got two people. Person number one has experienced severe trauma, we'll say. Maybe it was a sexual assault. Maybe it was intense combat. Maybe uh, they watched their child die in their arms after the child was, you know, severely injured. Uh, second person, I'm putting it in quotes, less severe trauma. Although, again, time out, we could say, you know, I'm calling this less severe, and my examples are, you know, an angry husband. Uh, and a hu husband who's just continually angry in the home. Do you think that can cause some stress? Do you think that could be traumatic for a housewife? Okay, I see every, every wife in here shaking her head yes. No. Um, a demanding boss, you know, workplace stress. Uh, a near-miss car accident. I mentioned a couple of those that I've had in my life where I made a turn in front of some traffic that I shouldn't have, and I can still... I can still tell you where those two intersections were, and I still kind of shudder, you know, almost every time I think about that. But uh, so this would be, we'd call this less severe trauma. Okay. But notice this. Okay, so difference in, term of, in terms of the circumstances. Okay, so here are the circumstances, and they're different. But what do they lead to? Okay, these circumstances, this stress, this trauma. What does it lead to? For person number one, stress or aversion, you know, just dislike. You know, you don't like that uncomfortable circumstance. They didn't like, obviously, these are bad things that happened. Uh, racing mind. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about a race? Have anybody ever had uh, well, racing mind, racing thoughts? <laughs> we all have. Uh, we all have. And uh, for most of us, it's, you know, it could be just a really rough day at work where there was some stress. Maybe you got into an argument with your boss or maybe you did something wrong and you didn't mean to, but you really messed up and you go home at night and guess what? You're not going to sleep well. <laughs> your mind is, is racing uh, and uh, you're going to be up half the night. And, or intrusive thoughts where... Uh, it's not that your mind is racing continually where you can't go to sleep at night, but, you know, periodically through the day, uh, these thoughts just keep coming back to you, you know, related to that past event or those series of events. Again, it doesn't have to be a single event. This could be a series of events or a series of stressful circumstances. Maybe occasional bad dreams related to that stress. Okay? So this is the result. This these circumstances lead to that. But guess what? Same thing over here for the person who experienced the less, what we're calling less severe trauma. Same, same results. Stress, aversion, racing mind, intrusive thoughts, bad dreams. And then, and, and we could almost, maybe we'll get into some of this, we'll touch on this, maybe this lesson and even next week. To some degree, you know, these things are almost automatic. We almost, can I just say, we don't have much control over it. It's going to happen uh, in, the, in the wake of trauma. But then we have a choice. What's our response going to be? And if we respond the wrong way, anxiety, fear, anger, discontentment, guess what? You can respond that way to these kind of circumstances. You can respond that way to these less severe circumstances. What's the result going to be? Either way, whether you're person two or person one, the result is the same. Obsessive thinking, despair, depression. Same, you end up, you can end up in the same pit either way. And I'll tell you, um, admit you can disagree with me, but I think I'm right here. If you are depressed, I mean really depressed. We're going to talk about depression in a later lesson. We're going to focus on depression, a whole lesson. But if you are truly depressed and you are feeling it in your body, um, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, uh, you're, you're in despair. The, the symptoms, they're the same. It doesn't matter what the, what the trauma was. If you're depressed, you're depressed. 
And so, does everybody understand what I'm trying to say here? And you can see that everything on this chart is the same, okay, except the circumstances. And everyone's circumstances are different. But my point again is 1 Corinthians 10.13, this is a problem that's common to man. We can relate to it. And that's helpful to know for a couple reasons. It helps us understand, begin to understand what PTSD is all about, what it is. But it also helps us when you're called on to counsel someone or disciple someone who uh, says they have PTSD or they, you know, they describe this, you know, terrible circumstances in their past and they're struggling with it. Um, I bet you can relate in some sense to what they're going through. Question, comment. We're not supposed to have, we're supposed to trust God and we're supposed to know these things happen for a reason and so we should be able to get over them. But I wonder how do you figure out the difference between, say, you know, you've had all these traumatic things happening in your life and then you're questioning, well, how come I can't trust? Or maybe, you know, down the road later in life, all of a sudden it's like, you're affected very negatively, and then when you really start to kind of go through, you know, different events through the course of your life that maybe you've, like, suppressed or put away or whatever, I mean, how do you then determine that, like, okay, this is PTSD, or, okay, well, you know, like, I just feel like sometimes as Christians, we, we always say we, we're supposed to trust God in this, and we're supposed to rely that the Lord allowed this for a reason, but when do you actually realize that, okay, this is the problem, and this is, this is why I need, how do you help somebody through that? Is that, I mean, are you going to... That's what we're going to talk about in this course, I think. If I understand your question. I know, it's a little confusing, <laughs> like, in my mind, I know what I'm trying to say, but... No, I, we're going to, that's what we're talking about in this class. By God's grace, that's what we plan and, and hope to accomplish. Um... You know, it's interesting. If I'm understanding you right, our problem, our problem is our thoughts. You know, our problem is our mind. It's not our circumstances. Um, God's in control of our circumstances. We respond to our circumstances. We mentioned last week, and we're going to probably hit it again today. Uh, we are meaning makers. You know, we interpret, we ascribe meaning to our circumstances, to what happens to us. We interpret, you know, something happens. I could put it this way. Um, think of uh, two people, two different people, same basic circumstance, I mean different, but let's say uh, someone is looking at, I'm sorry if this is, a little, this is a little graphic, but let's say someone's skull that is opened up Okay, the brain is exposed, potentially traumatic. Okay, what if you're a mom and that's your son who's been severely injured in a, just a devastating accident. Okay, obviously very, very hard. That's going to be hard for that mother to deal with. Same thing, same basic circumstance, but what if you're a brain surgeon and you're the one that made the incision? Right? And this is something that you've trained to do. You've practiced this your whole life. Not your whole life, but since medical school. And you've been doing this. You've been doing performing brain surgeries for years. And so this is probably your 500th, 500th time this doctor's opened up someone's skull and, and did some work there. Is he going to have a lot of trouble sleeping that night? Probably not. I mean, this is routine to him. He's going to go home and kick back and and uh, watch the ball game, and it's, it's no big deal to him, but obviously it's a big deal to that mom. Same basic thing that they're looking at, but the meaning is different, okay? It's, it's how we think about and interpret what we see. Um, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's the best illustration, but um, in my mind that kind of goes along with what I was trying to say. What was I trying to say? But... Um, no, Kim, good question. We're going to... Well, and I also wonder, too, if it also has to do with, like, 
person has actually processed whatever has happened or if they just, you know, on autopilot and just deal with life and keep going to the next thing and never actually process the, the event. Yeah, well, we need to process it, and we need to process it biblically. We need to have a biblical perspective, and that's what we're going to talk about, again, in later lessons. I mean, we need to have a clear understanding. We need to have a good theology of suffering, you know, what the Bible says about suffering, and we're going to spend a whole lesson talking about a biblical theology of suffering, okay? And then we need to understand that we need to, to know God, okay? Grace and peace... Peter tells us, can be multiplied to us if we know our God. So we need to know our loving God. We need to know our all-wise God. We need to know our sovereign God. And when we understand that he's sovereign in control of all things, that he has wise purposes in everything that he allows into our lives, he loves us, he's working everything out for our good, um, Wow, that's, that's the answer. That, that's the difference maker. So, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, anyway, I'm tempted to say a couple other things at that point, but I'm going to wait, wait till a, a, another lesson. Let's, uh, let's keep going here. Any questions? Did this make sense to everybody? You know what? Let me say one more thing here. Do you remember, you remember last week I mentioned uh, an army chaplain who served in Vietnam? He's a born-again Christian. I've... He's a great man. I, I talked to him at length. He allowed me to interview him. This was going back when I was uh, living in Greenville, South Carolina. I was taking a um, class through Maranatha for a uh, Maranatha Baptist Seminary. It was a counseling class. Anyway, I interviewed him concerning his experiences in Vietnam. Okay, and this is a chaplain. Again, he's a pastor still, uh, older gentleman in North Carolina. Wonderful man, conservative. He's, he's one of our, our stripe, uh, conservative Baptist, but he struggled uh, after Vietnam with post-traumatic stress. And, uh, and uh, we were really getting into the weeds. I appreciate it. He allowed me to ask 100 questions. You know, we're trying to figure out why. And in the end, it all boiled down to, as he told me, he was just very, he was very sad about the men that he saw killed. These are guys that he ministered to. Uh, he held some of them in his arms as they were dying. He helped load some of their bodies on the, their dead bodies onto the helicopter. Um, he, was, he was sad. He was angry. He was angry about the whole thing and just, you know, the mismanagement of the war in, in Washington, D.C. and all of that with led, led to the, in his mind, in his view, resulted in the death of some of these men. So in the end, it, it was anger. It was discontentment that was fueling his depression uh, and his post-traumatic stress, the nightmares he had, the flashbacks, etc. But you know what else is interesting? This is why I bring this up now. So we would say that he experienced severe trauma, okay, intense combat. But you know this same, same gentleman, he told me that, you know, we're talking about less severe trauma. It's not always less severe. You know, we're all a little bit different. You know, what bothers me, what... What, has, what can make an impact on me might not really affect you very much, but vice versa. You know what I mean? And this, this gentleman told me that uh, he had some family circumstances, just some stress at home when he got back from the war and, and actually for many years after that involving his wife and maybe was it his parents, you know, her in-laws. And he told me that that whole family situation, which we might classify as you know, less severe, he said that that was just as devastating to him. He's just the frustration, the, the anger, some of the, just the, situ the, the stuff he had to work through there and that interpersonal and family com conflict. Uh, he basically joked in the, the depression, the, the frustration, the, the, it, was as, it was worse than uh, the stuff from Vietnam. Yeah. And, and, his, and you know what? I would, one day I'd love to, I, I've interviewed a, a decent, you know, not a great amount, but uh, uh, a decent number of folks concerning these kind of things, stress and PTSD kind of stuff, but I would love one day 
uh, and maybe I will for a project uh, if I do. Pastors encourage me to write my uh, dissertation on this topic, and I'd love to conduct a bunch of interviews with folks who've experienced stress, trauma, and I would be willing to bet right now that uh, that's going to be the case for most people. The, the, the family kind of stress, the stuff that really hits home, that really affects me, you know, and my wife and my children um, is in most cases, I would think, um, going to be much more problematic than something that happened once on a battlefield. Um, and I escaped alive, you know, and I'm, so it's over and done with. And I'm not saying that we folks still can't struggle with that stuff, but uh, and some folks, for some folks, the, what they saw in combat was horrific. And it was not just one event. And so I'm not minimizing their struggles. But I would think that for most people, uh, stress on the home front will be, can be as bad or worse. Well, a key, a key component, too, is triggers. You leave a battlefield, you know, yeah. and there may be things that remind you, but when... When it's a family situation and you're constantly around the family, the family reminds you, in the case yeah. of some in-laws. Your wife is, is a reminder and holidays and so on. And these are triggers that bring back those raw emotions and, and so on. So getting back to Kim's point, uh, the purpose of the class ultimately is all of our backgrounds are different, circumstances are different, so on. But when you get to this point, all right, so what, what is the biblical help to give that anxiety to the Lord and to be able to stay productive? Yeah, well, you, you were talking about triggers, and uh, I went to, went to a movie with my son called We Were uh, Soldiers with Mel Gibson. And in this movie, I was in attack helicopters in Vietnam. And I'm sitting here watching this movie, and the helicopter, there's one in there, there's a gunship in there. And I'm sitting there watching this, and it's at night, the helicopter comes in, he sits down, and you could hear the engine winding down, hear the, the rotor blades are winding down. And I was sitting there staring at that, and I could smell the burning jet fuel from that engine. And my son's looking at me like, uh, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, I'm good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's... An example of a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you're sitting there, you're looking at this, and everything comes back all of a sudden. It's like, wow, I can smell burning yeah. jet fuel. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in a the theater, and there's... <laughs> yeah. Nothing but popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. And as Pastor mentioned, you know, we can all relate to that. Maybe it's not something from Vietnam, but maybe it was a family situation or a work situation. Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's continue in the notes here. Page four. And uh, our progress has been slow so far, but that's okay. I think uh, we're not in a hurry. We've got plenty of time. All right. What kind of problem is PTSD? And is it a problem at all? Is it a disease or a mental illness, as many in the secular community would say, maybe purely a biological problem? Many of them would argue. Okay, you have a disease. You have a mental illness. Okay, or is it a spiritual matter? We would say it's, it's definitely a spiritual matter. Is it solely a spiritual matter, though? Or, and or, is it also an organic matter? Is there a physiological component to it? There is. Um, and we're, again, we're going to continue to flesh this out in the coming weeks. Uh, I would say it's, it's largely, it's mostly, this is a spiritual issue. Uh, it's a spiritual problem, but there's certainly a physical component. There's certainly an organic uh, element to it. Um, but I think we're going to see that the, 
the physiological aspects, whether it's a panic attack or whatever it is that works itself out in your body, it all goes back to how we process, uh, how we interpret our circumstances. And again, I don't say that in any way to make light of the circumstances, and it's hard. Okay, I've struggled. One, one lesson I may tell you about some of the panic attacks that I've had, and it's hard. I almost feel like I have no control over it at all. Um, I mean, in one sense, it almost seems like I have no control. It's just totally, this is just something that my body's doing involuntarily. But in, at the end of the day, we can trace it back to our minds, our thoughts, how we interpret, uh, how we have interpreted past um, events, circumstances, continuing fears in our heart, etc. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, and then from a Christian perspective, are the symptoms of PTSD merely the result of poor, even sinful responses to negative circumstances? Okay. Uh, are any of those symptoms involuntary? Okay, I just touched on this. In other words, not the result of faulty thinking, but more like automatic responses of the body. For example, are nightmares... If you have a nightmare, if you've had bad dreams related to some past uh, traumatic event, maybe just stressful event, um, is that sinful? Or is that more automatic? Is that involuntary? I, I would say I don't think, that some, anybody disagree, anybody jump in and disagree, I don't think that's sinful. I think those are, that's, we can't really control our dreams. Um, what about intrusive memories, thoughts? Some of those thoughts that kind of jump into your mind. Are you sinning? Is that the result of sin? No, not necessarily. I'd say in most cases, no. Um, I know Dr. Jim Berg talks about junk thoughts, you know, that can just pop it just because we're falling. Now, you know, I have to qualify this. In one sense, you know, yes, everything can be traced back to sin because we're fallen, okay? We are fallen creatures. You know, our, our, our minds, our emotions, our wills are all corrupted and tainted by sin. So in one sense, you know, everything can be traced back to sin. But I'm talking about a conscious decision, a choice to sin. And we would conclude, I think, that, you know, some of these intrusive memories and stuff that pop into our minds, you know, that's, that stuff just happens. Um, what about panic attacks? I've already kind of maybe hinted what's going on there. But these are questions that, uh, again, I just want you to think about for now. Uh, and for at least two reasons, these are very complicated questions. Okay? First, PTSD involves the intersection of mind and body. We've already mentioned this. The spiritual and the physical. As the Bible teaches us, humans are embodied spirits or souls. We are complex beings, fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139.14. And you know, we don't understand to this day everything, everything about the brain. You all understand that. Uh, we don't understand. You know, the, the, the real smart people, the, the, the scientists, uh, whether they're the secular folks or, you know, Christ, we, we still don't understand how the brain works to a large degree. And so as you read the literature on what's as far as PTSD and what's going on in the human brain, it's, you'll quickly discover that nobody really understands at the end of the day how the brain works. I mean, we, we know some of the basics, and there's left side and right side, and, you know, there's different terms, and, and there's, there's some good information that's helpful, but at the end of the day, we haven't figured it all out yet. God's design is, is far too intricate uh, for us to fully understand. Uh, but God has designed our brains to respond in certain ways to certain stimuli. More specifically, biblical counselors affirm that God has encoded humans with a fight or flight system. That's your fill in the blank there. Fight or flight system that enables us to respond appropriately to threatening circumstances. And it's normal for these systems to be aroused by stress or danger. Okay, the question though is, as our fight and flight system continues to be engaged, even after 
the danger has passed, in some cases months and years after the danger has passed, what's going on there? You know, why is that happening? Um, and again, that's, uh, that's a big question, and uh, we're going to continue to hash that out in the coming weeks. Yes? Uh, in one of my college classes, I took uh, counseling, and they introduced a new third category, fight, flight, or freeze. Ah, uh, yeah, I've, I've read that as well, yeah. 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 Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, and a lot of it has to do, and again, when I said we haven't figured it all out, or scientists, I certainly haven't figured it out. I'm not a scientist. But, you know, the scientists haven't figured it all yet, out yet. But uh, there, there is some good information. And I may, next week, um, I may even sh share with you a little bit. This is a handout that I got from uh, Dr. Jim Berg. Uh, who's, uh, as you, most of you probably know who he is, but he's, uh, he's got some good stuff in here that kind of gives a good, you know, a basic overview of some of this uh, physiological stuff with the brain, and uh, it's helpful, and uh, perhaps we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, let's look at a second reason why this is kind of a complex issue. PTSD is a fuzzy problem. There's your, <laughs> there's your fill in the blank. You were expecting some like real technical term, and this is just a word that I picked. This is kind of a fuzzy problem, you know what I mean? This is kind of subjective. Uh, it's very subjective in one sense, um, especially when it comes to a diagnosis, right? Do you understand, you know, those struggling with PTSD, it's not like they have a tumor in their brain, right? It's not like there is an objective, like a cancerous tumor there. Okay, this is just, it has to do with our minds and how we think. Although there can be physiological impact uh, and consequences to our thinking. And more on that later. But there's no tumor in the brain that can be detected by an MRI or CT scan. There's no blood test that reveals the presence of PTSD. Uh, neither is PTSD diagnosed by testing uh, changes in physiology. Instead, you know how someone is diagnosed with PTSD? Uh, they walk into their, their family doctor or the psych psychologist or whatever, and they say, you know, I'm struggling with, um, I've, I experienced such and such circumstances. I've got a racing mind, <laughs> intrusive thoughts, bad dreams. Uh, I'm depressed. And the psychologist says, well, then you've got PTSD. And that's it. Um, so you, and I think you all understand that. Again, there's, there's no tumor. And uh, so, again, we're going to talk about this a lot more next week when we ask the question, is this really a disorder? Should we term it a disorder? Is that, is that appropriate? Is it helpful? Uh, is it harmful? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at that question. Okay, all right, moving right along here. Since time is flying, I can't believe it. Um, 8.07. All right, so we're who, what, where, when, and why. We're at the when, and I almost skipped over this, but I didn't want to leave one of the W's out. I wanted to hit all five W's. So when here, this is kind of just real simple. Uh, when, do when do the symptoms associated with PTSD typically appear? Well, for many, they appear immediately following a traumatic event or series of stressful circumstances, so your blank there was immediately. However, in many cases, depending on the person and their response to their circumstances, uh, and the severity of the trauma or stress or lack thereof, significant symptoms are never experienced. Okay, they're never experienced. So it depends on the person it depends on the severity of the trauma, and most importantly, it depends on their response. It depends on their response, what they think about their circumstances. So why? If I flip to the right page here, yes. Page five, why? Why do some struggle? We just made the point at the bottom of the last page that some struggle and others not at all. Why is that? Why do some struggle with PTSD while others do not? And we just mentioned this. The severe, of course, the severity 
of the trauma matters. So your fill in the blank is the word severity. The severity of the trauma matters. And you know, we could even add, and if I was going to redo the notes, which I will, because I'm just I'm building this class, remember, and I want your input and I want your help. If you see stuff that can be improved, if you've got stuff that I should add, make sure you let me know. Uh, but I'd like to add, you know, if it, it also matters if the trauma is repeated, uh, and even if it's not the same trauma, but, you know, continued stress uh, is, is likely to ha take possibly a greater toll than just a single uh, episode of stress, although that's, you know, not always the case. But someone who's continually exposed to trauma over weeks and months and years, that's obviously a factor. The female who was sexually abused by her father from childhood through her teenage years probably faces, she's probably going to face greater challenges in this area than does the adult uh, who was involved in a, and you know what, I intended to put minor automobile accident here. I, I put serious. I, I intended to put minor just to kind of just really draw the contrast in circumstances. You know, very severe uh, young girl sexually abused and then something that we probably would consider less severe, you know, a minor automobile accident. Um, but, um, okay. But even among those who've experienced severe trauma, Severe stress. Okay, in other words, let's say circumstances are the same. You still have some who rebound and live, we would say, normal, even from a secular standpoint, normal, stable lives, while others become mired in depression and destructive lifestyle patterns. Uh, alcoholism, drug addiction promiscuity, uh, etc. Why is that? Why is that? That's the question we're trying to answer here. Um, before we get to the, the ultimate answer, let me just share here quickly, because our time's running out, just some kind of preliminary answers, preliminary conclusions, before we get to the big one on the uh, top of the next page. Um, first, some... Some allow their PTSD diagnosis to define who they are as a person. Your fill in the blank there is define. Some folks allow their PTSD diagnosis to define who they are as a person. They view themselves as forever broken or diseased, disordered. Uh, they consider themselves the victims of cruel circumstances, stuck, helpless, defeated. And these kinds of feelings as you understand, as you might expect, normally lead to discontentment, hopelessness, and despair. Some pridefully embrace their diagnosis. They embrace their diagnosis along with the attention and special treatment, not to mention monetary benefits that it affords them. They wear their diagnosis as a badge of honor, as proof they did something important. And this is particularly true of certain combat veterans. And uh, we don't have time to get into this tonight since we're running low on time, but uh, um, I know this to be true, and I've read, um, I've read some stuff by other, you know, reputable authors, Christian, you know, biblical counselors who have interviewed and who have knowledge in this area, and um, it's, it's very, it's probably the case, you know, well, how to, how to put it, you know, especially veterans, um, when you're leaving the military and you get interviewed and you do your whole VA uh, assessment, you can get a lot of money for the rest of your life if you've got PTSD. And so that's, uh, I'm quite certain that that is an incentive for many to exaggerate their symptoms. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not, in, in no way am I trying to minimize you know, what some people have truly experienced and truly struggled with and continue to struggle with. But uh, more on this later. There, there are some who um, exaggerate their symptoms. Um, anyway, move on, moving on here. Some take advantage of their diagnosis, using it as an excuse to justify their sinful desires and choices. They feel an either, even greater liberty to sin blaming their bad behavior on the fact that they are considered disordered 
or mentally ill. And I think you can imagine how uh, the human heart works, and especially with an unbeliever who, uh, you know, now he's told that he's got a disorder, and uh, that, that person could quickly and easily use that as an excuse to justify um, their, their, destru- their wicked lifestyle and uh, sinful choices. And then there's those who genuinely struggle. You know, some have endured significant trauma and struggle. They struggle greatly with unwanted memories related to their pain. These memories and the temptations to fear are difficult to overcome. We are, and I mean that. I mean, I, I know, and some of you know, again, even, even some of us, uh, some of you who maybe you'd say, I've never experienced anything like this but I have experienced some of this stuff, and I know that even, even that stuff, it's hard. It's, it's real. Those struggles, struggles are real, and it's hard. Uh, we are fallen, weak people. And, uh, but praise God, we've got a strong Savior, and we have wonderful help available to us in God's Word. Um, let me just continue here. We're, we're almost out of time, but let me just... Uh, take maybe two more minutes here. So we have some examples uh, that I, we just covered. Folks that really, really struggle for various reasons. However, there are many who thrive and even grow. They even grow in the aftermath of trauma. Why? We could ask, why was Joseph? Okay, and that's your fill in the blank there. Why was Joseph? able to thrive in the aftermath of his trauma, being sold as a slave, as a young boy, as a young teenager, uh, away from his parents to a foreign country, uh, falsely accused, thrown in prison, forgotten about in prison. And, uh, and you know how he responded to his trauma. Wow. Why was he able to thrive? What about Job? Why was he able to praise God? after suffering so horribly. Again, not that he didn't struggle. And I'm not saying that, you know, Joseph didn't struggle at times. I'm sure they did to some extent. But they had wonderful... At the end of the day, they placed their faith in God and uh, they grew through their ordeals. Why was Paul, why was the Apostle Paul able to rejoice in prison and maintain a sense of true joy? Not to mention a very fruitful missionary ministry despite all the hardships that he endured. We could even look at David in the uh, Psalms. I don't have a, a, a blank for him in the notes, but uh, for as much as he struggled, and he did, uh, with depression in the Psalms, he kept refocusing back on God, back on the Lord. He kept looking to the Lord as his helper. Okay, so why? And uh, the answer to our question, we actually covered this last week, and here's where we'll stop. Uh, Top of page 6. Greg Gifford, a biblical counselor, offers this insightful analysis. PTSD is an interpretive disorder. If If it's a disorder at all, it's an interpretive problem. Okay? It's not a biological problem. It's an interpretive problem. It has to do with the way we think how we interpret our circumstances, okay? Meaning that um, the way one perceives the threat determines their response to the threat. And uh, let me just jump down for sake of time. And we, again, we mentioned this last week, but I like this quote to me is very helpful. I don't know who to attribute it to. I've heard it several times through the years. But it's not our circumstances that matter most. Instead, it's what we think about our circumstances that makes all the difference. And if we, in the wake of trauma, if we will set our minds on God and His Word and strive to know Him better through His Word, He promises to give us His grace and His peace even as we continue to struggle with difficult circumstances in this sin-cursed world. And so we will stop there. I'm sorry we went a couple minutes over time. 
We will, I promise. I don't know, should I, um, should I make a promise? We, we will finish this handout next week, and we will also, we'll do that pretty quickly, actually. Uh, that'll be pretty quick. And then we will also consider the question, is this problem, is it a disorder? Should we term it a disorder? Is that helpful? Is it harmful? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Thank you for your attention. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, again, please uh, share thoughts, feedback, um, questions, disagreement. Uh, I appreciate it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, we are so thankful, Lord. We know that we, we do live, obviously, in a, a sin-cursed world. And Lord, we are sinners. And uh, we are so weak and fallen and tempted in so many ways to become anxious, to become discontent with our circumstances. But Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that in your word we have incredible hope. And not only the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, dying uh, in our place, paying the penalty for our sins, but Lord, even while we continue to struggle uh, down here with, with difficult circumstances, Lord, you do promise us grace and peace and help as we know you, as we strive to walk with you each and every day. We praise you for that, Father. We, we praise you for the hope that we have uh, in Jesus Christ and through your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.